All righty, we're back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf, Leaf Radio. I'm the host of the most, the king of the quarantine, Jimmy Falcon. It is an absolute honor to welcome actor Paul Wilson to the show. How are you, Paul? Hey, Jimmy. I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. It almost looks like Paul Wilson because it's not, it's not the spelling we're used to. It's kind of interesting spelling. It's like, uh, it's a very showbiz spelling. Uh, Meredith Wilson spelled it with two L's as well. The uh, guy who wrote the music band. Uh, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, well, see, how, how old are you, three? I mean... <laughs> well, 33, so you're close. Okay, I'm, I'm really old, and I remember the music <laughs> band came out when I was in junior high school. So, uh, yeah, it was well before your birth, probably. Um, anyway, uh, it was a big hit, and uh, what can I say? His name was spelled with two L's. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's very interesting. So it's stare decisis. Uh, the Supreme Court can't change it back to one L. <laughs> now it's yours. You own it. Oh my gosh! Well, what, I guess starting off, you uh, you're from Minnesota. Uh, what was it like? I was born in Minnesota. I spent a, a few years there, like three three years there. But uh, I grew up in San Francisco. Oh, so it's it's definitely too far from what I was I was going to ask about those those winters because I live in Illinois and it's it gets bad here. But I know the farther north you get. The worse it is, but man, California. Well, I yes, yeah. The uh, I, I did spend two winters as a as a toddler in uh, Minnesota. Uh, in fact, in Fairmont, Minnesota, which is southern southern Minnesota. Um, and yes, there were big snow years. I remember huge snow banks, you know. And uh, but I loved it because when you're a kid, you know, you don't have any responsibilities. <laughs> your, your parents dress you and throw you out the door, and then you do what you want. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I know about that. I know about the cold stuff. Uh, and uh, sometimes I miss it, you know, but uh, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, but I can go. I could go there. I could go on a snow vacation, uh, I suppose. Yeah, so you can just hurry up and get back to where it's nice and warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, warm, warmth is overrated because uh, uh, it lasts too long. You know, I, I do like... I do like a chilly, uh, chilly autumn and winter, and usually, or often, we get that in LA. But uh, you know, not every year. Yeah, I'm sure chilly there. It's probably a lot, like 57 degrees, and people are bringing out the parkas. Oh well, when I, when I grew up in San Francisco, 60 degrees was was uh, shirt sleeve weather. You know, um, since I've been living in LA for over 40 years now, it's uh, I get chilled up there, but. Um, so here we are talking about the weather. <laughs> right. I feel like you have to have something that your people can talk about in common to start it out with. But from what That's I've true. what I've viewed, oh, yeah. you've been acting for what about five decades now? Uh, well, yeah, I, I got into a to an improv workshop in 1966. So that's that's my technical start date. So that's 34. That's 55 years. Yeah. So. Oh. Well, I but saw that. My first professional job was in 1969. So, uh, wow. you know, so it's still over 50 years. Yeah. I think it's actually in it's the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Yeah, that's five decades. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just, I was curious because IMDb has uh, something called the Strawberry Statement from 1970. So that was kind of where I gathered the, the time from. Yeah, it was released in 70. I think it was shot in 69. And if you saw the movie, which is actually, was just on Turner Classics uh, maybe a month or two ago, um, I'm in it 
but you wouldn't know it because I'm wearing a costume that covers my face. <laughs> There's a scene toward the beginning. Um, well, you know what the strawberry statement's about, right? No, actually, no, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, it's about uh, the the uh, student um, takeover of, of buildings at Columbia University in the late 60s. Oh, wow. And uh, as, although it's set in San Francisco, uh, it's you know somewhat altered from the original. But uh, but there was a demonstration with an agitprop theater company doing uh, you know portraying generals and politicians and you know and uh, I was I was playing a general. I had a pig mask on. Oh, and I was wearing a, a military cap. And uh, and you and, and never you never saw my face because I was wearing the mask and I was moving around in the background sort of, but that was my first movie, yeah. Wow, I bet and you. I was, so, I was so new that uh, that I was supposed to get there at like eight o'clock in the morning, and I figured I better have breakfast first, so I went to a restaurant and had breakfast, <laughs> not realizing that they were going to feed people on the set, you know. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've heard heard lots of great stories about those uh, about those catered dinners at films and TV shows. It's almost as legendary as the movies themselves. Yeah, the only thing I think you really need to remember is don't eat the shellfish. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's too iffy after it's been sitting out for a while. Right. But, uh, no, there's some wonderful meals on sets and some awful meals too. It depends on the budget of the uh, picture. You know, I've done some true. extremely low budget movies where. We sort of had to uh, forage. You know, they gave us a bow and arrow and sent us into the forest to get something. But um, it's a thrill one way or the other. That's interesting. I still can't get over the pig mask thing. <laughs> oh, well, you could see me, but I wasn't, you couldn't really see me, but I was in it. <laughs> That's great. Well, as a matter of fact, I almost, I could have died because they, they, had, they just glued it together that morning. Oh and it was gosh. still loaded with fumes. And I refused to wear it till it was... Safe. They really pissed at me. That's probably why I didn't have any screen time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, Paul, we're going to have you take off the mask later, but you know, you're just complaining too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll take it off when you're dead. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, um, there, you've done so much stuff that I was trying to to narrow it down to what I wanted to ask you about, but a couple of different shows that are complete opposites you worked on. I have some good space in my memory and my heart is. Uh, Full House and uh, the cartoon Recess. What was it like working uh, on those couple of shows out of all the great things you've done? Well, Full House was, was fun. I, I played a guy who was um, basically uh, sold the stolen goods out of the trunk of his car. And I was selling an engagement ring to uh, John Stamos. Um, but uh, they, got, they got nervous about that, so they made him basically just sort of a Salesman. <laughs> they didn't want to uh, endorse crime or buying stolen goods, but it was still fun to do. Um, and now the recess, of course, doing uh, doing animated stuff, doing voice work is is uh, completely different, except in right. that you are still being someone else, you know. But uh, it's it's got its own um, its own pleasures. You have to shave, you know. Um, you don't have to get you don't have to get wardrobe or makeup or any of that stuff, and you can read your lines, so you don't even need to memorize your lines. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I and I would have actually been interested in doing more of that kind of stuff. I did a significant amount of doing that in commercials and, and, and animated stuff, but I never really made a big deal out of it because 
A, there's so many really good people already doing it and people who can do 10 times as many different things as I can do. And it's, and it's a whole different business, really. You got to set up, you got to get a different agent, you got to put different demonstration materials together, you got to promote yourself differently. And I was just doing too much on camera work to really want to spend the time to do that. Because I decided early on, uh, I never decided to go into show business. It was an accident. But once I was, I decided, hey, this is great because I'll either make a lot of money or have a lot of spare time. And mm-hmm. it's gone back and forth between the two. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm sure it's, uh, you know, I think the average viewer doesn't realize the big differences between it uh, as much as you might if you're in the industry. Well, yeah, although, I mean, it's, yeah. Okay, so the first thing is every, every job is different. And that's the best thing, I think, about being in show business. Because you don't ever get into a boring routine. Now, you could do you could a series regular and work for 11 years on a show like Cheers, which I didn't do. I worked for three years on it. Uh, and it doesn't get boring because, because, for one thing, you're making so much money and you're having so much fun, you know. And different guest actors come in, and on Cheers especially, a show like that, mm-hmm. they could attract really big guest stars, you know. So I met a whole bunch of really interesting people in the course of the work that I did on Cheers. And there are other shows that are that were the same, had the same level of, uh, like it's Gary Shandling's show. A whole bunch of terrific, eclectic, famous people guesting on the show. And uh, that's a treat, you know? Because these were people, if I hadn't been doing this, I never would have met, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm sure you've met a lot of great people over the years. I never see them anymore, though. That's unfortunate. I'm sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting just uh, being around certain people, and then you may never get to see them again. <laughs> well, that's what it is. Even uh, you know, especially if you do a play, for instance, because you're 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 working very intensely over a relatively uh, limited amount of time, especially if it's uh, what you would call you know labor of love theater or, or you know small theater which is what most people do, especially in Los Angeles and New York, where the real business is, you know, TV and movies. Um, you get really, you work together really closely and you, and you really, uh, you reveal a lot of yourself. And even if you don't intentionally reveal it, just the process is very, you know, it's very intense. And you work for hours and hours and you work stuff out and blood, sweat, and tears and all that kind of stuff. And, and then you never see each other again. That's just the way it is, you know? It's, uh, but it's, I'll tell you this, it's great when you run into those people again, you know, oh, so sure. better than family, you know? Yeah. Kind of like a family in its own. Well, it's, it's like a bunch of families, <laughs> you know, most people don't get a bunch of families. So it's a real, it's a bonus, you know? Oh, absolutely. Well, I would, uh, I, I don't know. I feel I'd be letting myself out, probably a lot of people out if I didn't bring up the great Bob Porter, the character you played on Office Space. How did everything come about with, with working on that, and what are your memories looking back at, at such a legendary film? That's a, that's a, well, I think it's an interesting story. I, I, was, I was reading for uh, a movie that was written by the Charles Brothers, who co-created Cheers, okay. called Pushing Tin, which was about air traffic controllers. 
And I read for that and didn't get it, coincidentally. But as I left that office, across the hall, another door opened up. Another casting director looked at me and said, here, come in here. You should read for this project. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how I met uh, uh, Mike Judge and read for and read for Office Space and didn't get it. I came in second. Wow. And um, I went, well, okay, that's fair. Oh, okay. But then, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, John C. McGinley, who played Bob uh, Slidell, said, uh, didn't say, he got, a, he got a different job. He got a job that was a, like a pilot or something. And they changed the schedule to accommodate John. So what that meant, the guy who had been cast in, in the role of, of Bob Porter had a contract to work at the Goodman Theater in Chicago and didn't want to break that contract. And nobody knew what this movie was going to be. Mm -hmm. So we went and did that job. And they, you know, I was the, the pinch hitter. So it was a total accident that got the movie at all. Um, and, and yes, it was really interesting because uh, all the other people working on the movie were terrific. And I, I really enjoy uh, working in Texas, too. Uh, I did a couple of things, a couple of movies in Texas, because I really dig the people. I don't know what's going on with the government of Texas. And all that, mm -hmm. and I, like, I wouldn't want to live there. But I said to one, some, one of these people once when I saw them in L.A., I said, how come... I, how come I like everybody I know from Texas, but I really don't like Texas very much. And, uh, you know, um, how could you be from Texas? I don't get it. And, and she said, from Texas. That's, that's the, yeah, <laughs> that's the from Texas. But I mean, there are a lot of great people still in Texas. But anyway, that was a big part of my enjoyment of working on office space. Um, and, uh, and Mike judge, I think is a genius. Oh, yeah. And, um, Richard Real, a bunch of other people I already knew uh, were working on the movie too. Uh, it was it was a very concentrated experience. It only lasted a week for for uh, uh, John and me because we did all of those uh, scenes in that uh, personnel office uh, pretty much in, in in a few days. You know, then there were the other the other scenes that had to be done, but it was it went by really fast. You know? mm. Oh, here here's a little trivia. In one of those scenes, I wear the wrong tie in one cut. So you'll be watching the scene and I'll be wearing a different tie. But I have not been able to spot it myself. The <laughs> editor spotted it, but I didn't. You know, oh, wow. so. So that's exciting. I think it'll enhance everybody's enjoyment of the film. It's like a Where's Waldo thing. I, yeah, sort of. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also noticed you, uh, you worked on a short film with someone I've known quite a while. The great Larry Hankin called The Outlaw Emmett Demas. How did you get hooked up with Larry? Well, I've known Larry for years and years. I've known him since I saw him at the committee in San Francisco in the 60s. Oh, wow. um, and, uh, you know, I've done a bunch of things with him. Uh, which project were you mentioning in particular? Uh, the Outlaw Emmett Demas was the first one I ran across. Oh, yeah, that's one. But there was also one called um, Spare Change, a short which he got uh, nominated for an Oscar for. Oh, wow. That I think was uh, that wasn't the first thing I'd ever done with with Larry. The first thing I ever shot with Larry was well, we did some commercials, but that was after this uh, in, in nineteen seventy. He did a movie called Spare Change. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The first movie that I was talking about 
the one that was nominated for an Oscar was called Solly's Diner. I apologize. We'll gather it. Spare Change was about a guy whose brother died, but he didn't have enough money to bury him. So he was carrying his body around in, a, in one of those wagons, <laughs> like a radio flyer, trying yeah. to raise money to bury his to bury his brother. Okay, <laughs> we got his brother. His dead brother later turned out to be my my writing partner for years <laughs> down here, Peter Eldling. But so we're shooting one of the one of the. I was playing a cop, sort of a Keystone Cops kind of cop, and we're shooting down on Market Street in San Francisco on a Sunday morning. So in those days, it would be deserted on a Sunday morning. We're shooting in front of a building without a permit, of course. <laughs> and I'm wearing an Oakland police jacket. So the San Francisco police come and I say, you don't have a, where's your permit? You don't have a permit? And you, you're impersonating an officer. And I pointed to the patch and I said, the Oakland police. <laughs> so <laughs> they let us off. And then we went to the next location, which was in North Beach. And while we were there, uh, this crazy guy came up the street, thought we were taking his picture, and tore up the set. Hmm. So it's always an exciting, and uh, by the way, Larry, who was, uh, you know, a hipster from way back, mm-hmm. saw what was going on and slid into the coffee house we were working in front So <laughs> he missed the whole event. But uh, it was pretty exciting. More things sometimes happen off camera than on camera in you know, it depends on the project, you know. But everything that Larry does has a kind of vitality and, and screwiness that, that mm-hmm. makes it really entertaining. Oh, definitely. And I, I would be, uh, I can't leave out uh, Peter Elbling because if it wasn't for him, I don't know if we would have ever connected. That's true. As a matter of fact, I forgot that because uh, I always forget things now at my age. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Peter, was, Peter was the go-between, yeah. How do you know Peter? I've had him on the show a couple times. He's a great guy. Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's very, he's very, very creative in the strict classical sense of the term. He comes up with stuff and works it out, you know, and I have a lot of respect for that. He has a lot of great ideas. He's a real idea generator. And I love working with him because I'm sort of the guy who goes around and, you know, switches things around and patches holes and corrects spelling and stuff like that, you know. Uh, and, I, and I also do some creative work on stuff, but I'm I'm the other guy. I'm the I'm the uh, anal guy mm-hmm. who who, uh, who shapes some things and, and and comes up with solutions to problems. But Peter's the uh, Peter's the uh, real uh, the real fountainhead of everything that we've done together. Wow. Well, I As, were, well go ahead. You talking about the obituaries that we wrote together? I think so. <laughs> yeah, that Sounds was really fun. We tried to sell it, but nobody wanted to buy it because they weren't about re- real people, you know. <laughs> but I thought, you know, there'd be less sadness if somebody was reading an obituary of somebody they never heard of. But anyway, that's just me. Yeah. Well, so, what do you do with your time off? Well, I uh, actually I work at a restaurant for a real job, as I call it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've been doing this since 2008. I went to college for it. And I like traveling and pro wrestling and going to cemeteries. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty eclectic. Where'd you go to college? Uh, Lakeland College in Mattoon, my hometown, Mattoon, Illinois. Uh-huh. Just a little small I like community college. By the way. I like Chicago a lot. I've been there a few times. And I actually lived there as, a, as, a, as an infant, but I don't remember it. Oh, wow, yeah, it's a couple, well, two and a half hours north of us, probably. 
Uh-huh. We are close to um, the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. Kind of. I was there for an SDS conference in 1965, wow. 66. So, so yes, I know Champaign-Urbana really well. Uh, however, I know it 50 years ago. <laughs> it's probably yeah. changed a little. <laughs> I'm sorry, say what? I said it's probably changed a little. There's a pretty big I'm university, sure and it's, it's a really nice place to visit. Yeah, well, the trees must be taller now, you know? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably a lot, uh. Well, Paul, thank you so very much for, for joining me today. It was really nice talking to you, and I, I've enjoyed your work over the years. <laughs> I'm sorry I interrupted you. I said I, I, it was fun for me, too, Jimmy. Uh, I have uh, just, just enjoyed your work over the years. So it's thank always you. nice talking to someone who I, you grew up watching or enjoyed watching over the years. Well, you should keep an eye on me because you never know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, you got a great sense of humor too, so that's always a good that's a good thing to have. Yeah, tell, tell my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Paul. Well, thanks again, and uh, Welcome, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks a lot. You take it easy. <laughs> All righty. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. All righty, guys. Big thanks to Paul Wilson, and we we got some shows coming up. Um, Goodness, I'd have to look at like a thing to, to tell everybody. But um, we do have some. Let me actually just while I'm while I'm talking with you guys here, I'll pull it up because I put up a thing on Facebook. There's some flyers I still haven't got to yet um, that I need to upload. Man, I share so much crap on Facebook; it's ridiculous. Um, holy cow! Where is this thing at? Gotta love it. Not ready at all. But I usually don't feel like I have this many shows upcoming, so it's always just like a see you next time kind of thing. So much crap for my birthday on here. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can tell you for a fact we have uh, Mike Toomey coming up. He was a former WWF referee and uh, ring crew chief the World Wrestling Federation. He was on the show some years back. We're going to be talking to him again. Also coming up is ja- actor Jasper Cole, who was on a pretty memorable episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, as well as in the film MacGruber and a bunch of other things. It's always nice talking to Jasper. And we have some other shows up, so just stay tuned and, and keep onto the page, onto the network and you'll be able to see who's coming up. So thank you, everybody, as always, for listening. A big thanks to Paul Wilson. We'll see you guys next time. Have a great night.